0: Thanks for listening to this message brought to you by Cornerstone Christian Church. If you would stand on your feet and welcome Pastor Junior Deeves. Amen. Give the King of kings and the Lord of lords a hand clap this morning for he is worthy. Amen. Would none of us have made it or been anything if it hadn't have been for him and what he has done. Amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. It is an honor and a privilege to be here today. And I um, mean, knows Pastor John needs a break every now and then. Amen. He calls, man, I need to go play baseball and with my boys. And so I said, well, you go ahead. And uh, my goodness, I don't know why ever in Cook County, isn't in this house this morning with worship like that right there. Amen. Give my hand clap of praise. My goodness, I mean, it didn't take three songs to warm up this morning. I mean, he turned around, he walked back there and turned around and it was on. Man, him and I mean, it's supposed to be like that in God's house. And uh, I mean, he came ready, amen? And people moved into place and began to worship. It don't get no better than that right there. My good, don't take that for granted. I've never heard no better, Matt. I've never heard no better, that team right there. Just going from glory to glory. It reminded me of uh no blue building. Just people hungry for God. Didn't come to see nobody, didn't come to punch a clock. Just came to hang out with the Lord and to give Him praise. For He is worthy this morning. Man, that's good. If we can keep that right there in the center. If we can keep that in the center, His presence. Ain't no telling what He's going to do this thing. Y'all have done, man, it's such beautiful in here. Y'all have done so good. My goodness, it's gorgeous in here. I appreciate you letting me come today and minister you happy father's day to all the fathers I know you wear many many hats you work hard you're a daddy you're a husband priest of your home my goodness sometimes it gets too busy I don't know what hat to put on come on let me know God's graced you for it now thank you I honor you men every one of you thank you for staying the course we need more men of God for these young people amen need more leaders we're all leaders amen it's good to see all of you and uh let's get in the word this morning you ready and uh just listen to me a minute and I got a scripture we'll go to I fell out like the Lord laid it on my heart and Timothy said this in um three and one through five he said in the last days I many know oh, when the last days it feel like he said perilous times will come he said uh for men will be lovers of themselves he said they're going to be lovers of money boasters proud blasphemous disobedient to parents unthankful unholy unloving unforgiving slanders without self-control he said despisers of good traitors headstrong haughty." Lovers of pleasure more than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness but denying the power. You know, and if you read just that right there, man, it sounds like this thing headed downhill, don't it? But, uh, you know, and then other people, see, see, there are two types of Christians right now on the earth. One side's got their head in the sand thinking that we're just waiting on the Lord to come rescue us and the best days are behind us. I don't believe that at all. Amen? Amen. And, uh, it says, but, and some say, well, you know, brother junior, you know how the Bible says things are going to wax worse and worse. And well, yeah, it said that, and you know, brother junior, they said, they're going to be a great falling away, brother. You, you know, that's what's happening there. And see, (laughs) that is their excuse for not believing God for bigger and better. And, you know, a lot of churches, they, they think after reading that, what's the use? Why even try? Anybody ever feel like mean, You ever seen people like that? What are we even doing? I mean, we might as well be huddled up in a little corner and, you know, the devil done beat the stuffing out the church and it's not going to get no better. It was better way back then. Honey, I appreciate where we came from, but I'm going to tell you something. Our best days are not behind us. Our best days are in front of us because he said I saved the best wine to last. And so I'm not going to get down with you. I'm not going to get discouraged with you. I'm not going to get depressed. I'm not going to put my head in the sand because my God is in full control. He knows where we're at. He knows where you're at. And our God's going to see to it that we finish the final link to this thing stronger than ever. If you've ever seen Secretary of the Horse, he won by 32 links, honey. And just don't think because we might be running neck and neck along the way. But I promise you, there's a wind coming from heaven that's going to rake the church, outrun anything that you've ever seen before. For give the Lord praise in here. Man, I praise the Lord. So I'm not one of those that just believe it's, you know, we the best is over. No, I don't believe that at all. But uh First Corinthians, turn there. First Corinthians, chapter 16, verse 9. I want to share this with you. First Corinthians chapter 16. Verse 9, you there? Say amen. Let's start at at verse 8 there. He says, but I will stay on, this Apostle Paul talking. He said, but I will stay on at Ephesus until Pentecost. Because a great door for an effective work has opened to me. And there are many who oppose me. Look at that. Paul said, I'm going to stay in Ephesus because a great door for an effective work has opened to me, and there are many who oppose me. One translation said, there's many adversaries. Paul was writing a letter to the Corinthian church. You know what he was saying? I'm coming to see you. I just don't want to come visit. I want to hang out with you. But then at the end of it, he says, but I think I'm just gonna stay right here where I'm at in Ephesus because the Lord has opened a great door for me for an effective work. I mean, you know Paul knew something about an open door. One time he was gonna go down to Asia. And preach, if you will. And uh, the Holy Spirit said, don't go. Don't go there. That door's closed. What I want you to do is go to Macedonia. Because he had a dream that night. He said, I I see a man from Macedonia calling, saying, Paul, come over and help us. How I many those Paul knew something about an open door? Ain't no sense, me and you, trying to go beat down no closed door that the God ain't moving in and use all of our strength and all of our energy. All we got to do is get in tune with the Spirit and find out what he's doing, what he desires to do, and just jump on on the wagon, honey, because that's the breath. That's the anointing. That's the Lord moving out before his mighty, mighty people. Amen? We just got to be filled with the, of the Spirit this morning. But Paul said our great doors open. See, I want to tell you something. In the hour that we live in, they, a lot of people think it's all over. The devil's about one, about beat the church down. Ain't no use trying. We losing our young people, everything. I don't believe that. Paul said, I believe it's a great door. We're leaving in in an hour that's a great door for an effective work. How many wants to have an effective church? Uh, How many wants to be effective in your Christian walk this morning? My goodness. You know what the word great means? A great door. You know what it means? In Greek, it means megas, M-E-G-A-S. And you know what it means? It comes from a word that means megaphone. Something large, something huge, something incredible, something so big. Paul said, man, there's a huge door of opportunity where I'm at. I know y'all want me down there, and I desire to see you. But right here, I see the Lord opening a great door for the city of Ephesus. Amen. Amen. God's got a great door for sports right here. This is a great work going on. I don't know if you know it, but this is a great move of God going on down here. Do not take this for granted. The Lord is here. The revival spirit is here. Amen. It is here. We are under that open heaven. He already opened it, honey. He done rained down everything. He gave every drop that he had. It's up to me and you to get in position to turn our cup up and just to get ready to receive what he's already done. Amen. But he said, Paul said, I'm, I, I've got a great door. Let me put it in South Georgia style. I pull up the crystals. You pull up the crystals. You don't want no little bitty two crystals, do you, Clay? Come on. We don't want two crystals and a small fry and a small coat. No, we want a mega meal. (laughs) Come on, somebody. We want to supersize it, if you will. Amen? Supersize it. No, I don't want that. I want the sack full of 12 crystals. I I want a little cheese and a little bacon. Anybody with me? I want a bag of fries and a cold two-little coat. Come on, somebody. I want to supersize this thing. I want to tell you something. That's a great meal. And God's got a great door. He's telling the church a great door of opportunity has been opened. To you, See, Paul knew we wasn't serving a little God, asking him for little things. But we're serving a big God, and we're asking him for big things. Because our God is big, and he's always up to something, and he's always up on the move. And the eyes of the Lord is looking from heaven to see if there's anybody in the earth that will stand up for him and agree with what he's doing and just stand in the gap and build up a hedge. Lord said, I'll do my part. You just do your part. Amen. So, the church in this hour has a huge, great, mega, incredible door of opportunity to answer the call right now. It's not a time to get down. It's not a time to hang your harp in the willow tree. Come on. It's not a time to get comfortable. The greatest divine opportunity like we've never known, I believe, is happening right now. Because things might not be happening in your world. Don't mean it's not happening in the world. Come on now. God is up to something. God is moving. God is moving on hungry people. God, Daniel says, him that knows his God shall what? Do great exploits for their king. Come on, somebody. God is moving. He just wants somebody to to humble yourself and to listen to him and to walk with him. Give him the steering wheel. Amen? My goodness. You understand We might have a door of opportunity, but the opportunity of a lifetime must be seized in the lifetime of the opportunity. Paul was saying, God, I'm believing you for big things. He could have went and got comfortable, but he said, I'm going to stay right here because there's an open door for an effective work. Him knows Caleb believed the Lord for big things. Amen. Caleb believed him for big things. Uh, Caleb was 40 years old when he went in there, and uh, the mountain and uh, 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 the promised land, and how many knows, 45 years later, at 85, Joseph, I mean, uh, Joshua out there giving deeds to the real estate. And you know what he said? He's looking around. What y'all want? What you want? You want that little piece of dirt? You do that. You take that piece of dirt. Yep, you like that? You can take that? Yep, yep. He got to Caleb. You know what Caleb doing? Caleb wasn't down here looking at all this right here. Caleb went down here just looking like a Caleb like this. <laughs> Caleb right? that right there. What are you doing, Caleb? What do you mean you don't want what i got for you? Caleb said, I want that mountain. That's what I want. God promised me a mountain. I want that whole mountain to myself because God said I could have it. And I want you to know this morning, does anybody have any mountain shopping faith in here today? Are you believing your God for big things? Are Are you just believing for little things or are you believing him for big things? God's up to big things in the earth right now. Amen. I need some mountain shopping faith in here this morning. Amen. Anybody got any? You know who gets the big things? Those that believe in their big God for your faith. That's who gets the big things. Some of you scared to ask him. Jabez said, I asked you, Lord, don't just pass over my name in your book and call it out. No, hold up, Lord, Wait a minute. I want you to enlarge my territory. I want you to anoint me. I want you to enlarge it all that I might make a big splash for you, Lord. I give you all the glory. He said, granted, granted. Our God's doing big things this morning, big things this morning. What the church needs in this hour is some Rachel's. The crowd still knows how to cry out, my God, give me children, else I die. She refused to be comforted. The church needs some Hannah's in here this morning. Hannah says, I want a baby. Her husband says, aren't I better you than 10 husbands? What you worried about a baby? I'll give you everything. Aren't I better than 10 husbands? She said, no, I want a baby. I want a baby. And this time next year, I want to have a baby. And let me know she had a baby. She had a baby. Let me know that. My goodness! All you gotta do is ask the Lord. We need some Marys in the church that went to the tomb early after He was resurrected. She, Mary Magdalene, ran to the tomb while it was still dark. She got down there and the tomb uh, was empty. She got upset and she went and got John and Peter. And Peter and John was running side by side. And the Bible says that John outrun Peter. And they got down there and it says that uh, they looked in. But then it says they went home. But Mary stayed. Mary got there early, but Mary was the last one to leave. But you know what Mary knew? I know he's somewhere. I might can't see him. I might can't feel him. I don't know where he put him, but if you'll tell me where you put him, I'll go get him because I know my Jesus is here. We need some Mary's today that'll still come early and stay late. And no's not an option, honey. He said, if you'll call on me, I'll come. I'll answer you. Come on, somebody. I'll show you great and mighty things that you don't know. I just need some Mary's should get hungry again and stay until I show up it's not enough for me anymore to hear about revivals from the past that's good that's great I honor them but I want to know what Jesus is doing right now what is he doing in your life today what did Jesus do for you last week last month come on somebody Jesus is moving right now what is he doing for you we need to be talking about what he's doing now. I appreciate where he's been, but that really don't help me today. Come on, somebody. It gives me hope, but God's doing something new. God's doing something cutting edge. God's doing something fresh. See, some of us in the church, we're waiting on them to come in here. But see, truth is, he wants you and I to go out there. He wants us out there. We in the church trying to steady get them in here. He's trying to get us out there. To where they are. Come on, somebody. Don't you know two-thirds of God's name is Go, G-O, all across this land? Come on, somebody. You'll get that chicken dinner. Come on. But you understand that, you know why churches aren't growing? For the most part, ain't nobody fishing no more. Ain't nobody fishing no more. We've made it all about us. We done got the whole state enchilada, the whole lottery in the Lord. Come on, somebody. And we just sit there and get fatter and fatter, and the Lord trying to get out there wants somebody just throw a pole. Somebody just use a zebco and cast the line. You're not going to catch no fish if you don't ever put your hook in the water. Come on. You're not. See, you can't catch fish if you don't go fishing. Some churches only fishes for certain kind of fish. You ever seen any of them? See, certain churches, they know this. If I want to catch that kind of fish, I know what bait I got to use. See, that's a good fisherman. But see, some churches, they just want white fish. Come on. Some churches just want black fish. Some want poor fish, and some want rich fish. But see, Jesus, when he go fishing, he don't use no pole. He don't use no Zebco. You know what Jesus used? Jesus goes back here, and he gets a net, and he brings the whole net, and he just slings it, and whatever comes up, whosoever will, he said, that's who I want. All shapes, all sizes, all colors, that's the house of the Lord. Multicultural, multi-race, this looks like a house of the Lord. He goes fishing with a net. Come on, somebody. Whoo. Go fishing with a net. See, Ezekiel 47. Man, this is the end time. May God, God, all the wards over. There. Got the valley of dry bones going to come together, stand on the feet of mighty army, cause of the breath of God. And this right here you got the river of Ezekiel 47, water coming out from under the temple. Come on, ankle deep, knee deep, waist deep, and then a a river that they couldn't control the current. That's what I'm after. God, I'm after a current that I can't control. Man has tried to control it, has controlled it, and shut God down and won't let him move. Uh, I've been to different churches, and they'll get up there, and God will get to moving, and the pastor will get up because he ain't going to let it move because he thinks he got to preach. Okay, something. the most important part of the service already happened this morning was worship, worshiping the Lord this morning. In his presence. Amen. I'm going to tell you. That's a current coming. <laughs> It's greater than, amen, and and you won't control this one. You won't control where this goes, honey. It's going to be in the grocery store. It's going to be in the airport. It's going to be in the high school. It's going to happen down here at McDonald's. Come on, somebody. You're going to be standing in line, and the Spirit of the Lord going to come on you. And you're going to begin to shake and tremble. And the Lord's going to tell you about that when he show you this and that. And all you got to do is speak the word, honey. And it's going to happen. That's the day we come in. He said that water's going to get greater, deeper, and deeper. And you know what he said? He said they're gonna be uh, a great place to spread a net. He said, they are going to be places you can spread your net, and they are going to be all kinds of fishes, all sizes of the great fish. Come on, somebody. God, man, this thing ain't over. He said, wherever this river runs in the Dead Sea, he said, the river of God's going to make the salt sea where nothing lives. Everything's going to come to life, and everything's going to team with life. Come on, somebody. God's got some great harvest coming, some great fish coming in here, some of your lost loved ones, some of those you've been praying for for you that you think ain't no way they ever come unto Jesus. Honey, when they get one taste of the the river of God, they'll sell everything they got and they'll sell out for a move of God and God's going to raise them up. He's going to use them. They're going to tell them what Jesus did for them. It's going to be revival. Come on, somebody. Our best days are ahead. They're not behind us. Come on. Glory to God. You stick your head in the sand if you want to. So you got to understand, in Acts 2, you know, what happened? Why is a lot of churches dead today? Used to be a river, now they're a pond. Why? You got to understand in Acts 2, the Holy Spirit was poured out with fire. The whole city turned upside down. Peter preached and 3,000 got saved. But see, 60 years later, just 60 years later, in Revelation chapter 3, you got Jesus. Knocking on the door of his church. That 60 years ago. Just had the greatest move of God. And the greatest. 60 years y'all. Jesus in Revelation 3 is knocking. Trying to get back into his church. I'll tell you something. If it can happen to them. It can happen to us. Because any of us can get hard or callous. Or go through things and because we're in a revival, we think, well, it's always going to be like this. You don't know that. If we, if we begin to take it for granted, that fire begins to go out. And for long, we in a rut. Man, we can't have nobody putting lids on us. We got to keep the lids off. Got to understand, there's a lot of churches today that Jesus, he can't even get in there. Not the real Jesus. Maybe the one they put up at Christmas and Nativity scene, all that mess. But not the real Jesus. He's locked out of a bunch of his churches today. He can't get in there because he saves, he heals, he delivers, he sets free. He's still the same yesterday, today, and forever. What's happened, Pastor Jr.? God hasn't changed, we changed. The church has changed. What we believe between our ears has changed. Our message has changed. It's more about being successful and popular and rich and famous. That's baloney. It ain't the word of God. Yeah, he wants you to be prosperous. But, man, you can't build your life around that message. You can't. And how, I want to ask you, where it gotten us as a whole? In a mess. I'm going to tell you. So I'm going to tell you something. This Bible, this is a story of a bridge. This bridge is the answer for all of mankind and for all of your problems. This bridge is the answer. This bridge joins the greatest two chasms, if you will, ever known to humanity. On one side, you've got God the Creator the all-powerful one, the all-knowing one. But man was cut off from fellowship with him because of man's rebellion. And on the other side, you have man who was separated through God from the darkness of his own heart and the darkness of her own eyes. And from that moment forward for thousands of years, man has tried to find their way back to God through religious works through good deeds. Through vain philosophies. All kinds of stuff. We've tried everything to get back to him. But you know what? We always come up short, didn't we? But you know what? God had a solution. God had a redemption plan. Redemption plan came wrapped as a man. Through a baby boy birthed in a virgin womb. They're they trying to tell us she wasn't even a virgin. It was a virgin womb, people. A spotless sacrifice. To provide one way again for God and man to walk together in the cool of the day. So from the wooden cross of Christ, planks on this bridge were formed. All the way from the holiness of God to the sinfulness of man, a bridge was formed. for mankind to all walk across to find salvation once and for all. To find healing, to find deliverance. Divine peace of man. This bridge was built on the word of God. That's what happened. And this priceless bridge made it possible for everybody to come. But as God's Son left the earth, you know what happened? He gave the care of this bridge into the hands of faithful men. Who was charged? Guard this bridge, protect this bridge, keep this bridge safe. So that my people and children can always walk across to get to the Father. But as time passed on, the cares of life and troubles and divisions, humanism and materialism, distractions, spiritual slumber are slipping to his church. and caused the guardians not to fulfill the charge of guarding this old gospel bridge. Slowly, Satan, the adversary, began to compromise the bridge that was left unprotected. Soon, the planks of the Word of God was removed, and the Bible was no longer the foundation. We left it to professional clergy, as we call it. They became less and less interested in keeping this bridge safe and strong to reach a dying, lost, and broken world. They used to have light, hope, and love when Jesus was here. Many turned aside to their own ways, to their own thinking. Many have even gone after false gods, false religions to try to bridge this gap. But you can't do it. I mean, those are not but one way. So surely there is a way that brings restoration to the bridge. That man can once again come into the presence of a loving and forgiving God. Surely there is someone in this hour that will awake a slumbering church and arouse them. To fulfill your responsibilities. And to be a repairer of the breach. That's what God's called you to be today. God's called you to be a repairer of a breach, repairer of broken things, Nehemiah, rebuilder of walls. Let me know he's the rebuilder of lives. Amen. You got to understand, this is Jesus' church. This ain't man's church in the earth. Man didn't die for it. Man didn't give his life for it. Man didn't shed his blood for the church, but Jesus did. Well, I might give that building down there. You can have your stinking building, but that's all you got. Jesus' church belongs to him and him alone, my friend. And he he is the head of the church. Man ain't no head of no church. Jesus is the head of the church. (coughs) You know Jesus said? I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. See, man's church, devil, prevail. Jesus' church can't prevail. It's different. Because he's all powerful. Amen? So we've got to be, we've got to repair this bridge of hope that reaches to all mankind. As long as there's lost people, the salvation message is relevant. As long as there are sick people and diseased people, the healing message is relevant. As long as there's people that needs delivering and bondage in captivity, the delivering message is relevant. So you don't hear a lot of that no more. You do in this house. I'm sure you do in this house. But you don't in most of them no more. You just don't. I want to take just a few minutes and to mention a few essentials of an effective church. You ready? A few essentials. Anybody want to be effective? Let me know this. You're on your hour, on your watch. You was born for such a time as this. And there's a great door of opportunity outside these four walls for Sports Georgia, to throw that net. Come on, to catch some fish. Amen? First essential, I believe, is we need a church on fire. We don't need no dead, cold churches no more. A cold church can't warm any heart. Come on. And a dead, lethargic church. It's supposed to be an organism, but you know when it's dead, it becomes an organization. It becomes a country club, a social club. It ain't never meant to be that. The Lord said, I am a consuming fire, and my church is going to be on fire. That's the Lord's church, full of fire. (coughs) You know what Moses told Aaron? He said, see to it that you don't ever let the fire go out. Leviticus 6. He said, every day, your job, keep that fire burning. Every day, put fresh wood on the fire. And he said, when you come in there the next day, all them ashes from the day before, I want you to change your clothes, get them ashes, and I want you to get them out of the house. You know why? Because you can't build a fire today on yesterday's ashes, come by God said, we have been trying to build a fire on yesterday's ashes. It won't ever work. God said, you just need to get rid of that. Come down here and get you some fresh firewood and build you a fire today. God wants a church that's on fire. When God was making the Abrahamic covenant, a smoking fire pot with a blazing torch appeared between the pieces. The angel of the Lord appeared to Moses, what? On the backside of the desert, what? In a bush on fire. Come on. Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord descended on it in fire. The smoke building up, it says, like a, a fiery furnace and the whole mountain trembled. It was fire that fell on the sacrifice after Elijah repaired the broken altar. You know what a broken altar is? Lots of times a broken altar is an altar that's divided into divisions. God said, I can't bless you divisions between you. I got to have you in unity. My house has got to be in unity. I'll bless unity. I'll command the blessing on unity, but the fire ain't going to fall where there's division on no broken altar. You first get the divisions fixed and then the fire fall. Amen. Jeremiah, the prophet, says, Man, I'm going to quit preaching. Every time I preach, I get in trouble. And then he, you know what? He says, I can't quit preaching. It's like fire shut up in my bones. John said, I baptize you with water. He said, But they won't come after me. He's more powerful than I. He don't, I can't even tote his shoes, John said. He said, I baptize you with water, but he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. Come on, somebody. I just want to tell you that whatever the problem is, I'm going to tell you something. Hillary can't fix the nation this morning. Amen? Donald Trump can't fix the nation this morning. Obama can't fix his nation this morning. You know why? Because we got a spiritual problem. That's the root of it. We got a spiritual problem. Don't you know that righteousness exalts a nation? We can't address all this mess out here. It'll never hold up. Uh, we need to address the spiritual problem. He said, if my people humble yourselves and turn from your way." can Seek my face. what he say? He said, I will come, forgive your sin, and I'll heal your land. Reason we got a land problem is because we got a spiritual problem. We got a head problem. We got a heart problem. That's the answer. I'll tell you something. The only answer for America is a church on fire. A church that's passionate about her Lord. And this is returning. I'm telling you, I know we look crazy, but honey, the thing's going to get darker and darker. But we're going to get brighter and brighter. And the city on a hill, the church going to be that city on a hill. God's going to rise with healing in his wings. I'm telling you, that's the answer. What's wrong? What about my children at home? You need a church on fire. What about my crazy husband, my crazy wife? You need a church on fire. What about my employers and my old coworkers on my job? Honey, you need a church on fire. Whatever you need has wrong. a church on fire is the answer. A church on fire gives off heat. It'll warm the coldest heart. It'll melt. It'll melt the hardest heart. Come on, somebody. A church on fire, praise the Lord. It will, it will give off light. I remember Paul one time was out there cold and rainy. Anybody got any cold and rainy situations in your life? Anybody got any, found yourself there shipwrecked? You know what Paul did? Paul Paul went and got some firewood. And Paul come and put, he wasn't too important. He went and got him some wood. He didn't send for it. He went and got it himself. You know how you get firewood? You go pray it down, brother. You go and you get in prayer and you get set on fire. And see, the Lord, he, he put Moses burning bush on fire. The Solomon's temple, the fire fell. The fire fell on Elijah's sacrifice. The fire fell at Acts. But you know what? The only fireplace the Lord has today is your heart. Your heart is the only fireplace that the Lord has in the earth right now and it is enough. John was a bright and burning, shining lamp. God wants to set you on fire. That's what he wants, set you on fire again. That's what he wants. My goodness, we need a church on fire. If we're going to be an effective church, another essential is we need the word of God. Anybody tired of man's opinions? Anybody tired of man's ideas, all their educated selves, look like they got the ABCs behind some of them. They got so many degrees. Come on, somebody. You know what they need? They need to burn them degrees and get them a Bible, and they need to get their head in that book and get wisdom from that. That's the Word of God. See, I know Harry Potter sold a lot of books. Hope you ain't got none of them, but anyway, Harry Potter has sold a lot of books, but you know what? He still ain't outsold the Bible. The Bible, year after year after year, has always been the bestseller, Number one selling book is the B-I-B-L-E. Come on, somebody. See, some have tried to... To burn this book, some have tried to ban it. Some have tried to bury it in the in the tomb of Joseph or Thea. But you know what? On the third day, he got right up and said, "No thank you." To hell, death, and the grave! Come on, somebody! You can't kill it. You can't stop him. You can't vote him in, and you can't vote him out. Ha <laughs> ha! He's king of kings, and he's the Lord of lords. Come on, somebody! He is the Lion of Judah. He's got a roar in him, honey. He not a baby in a manger no more. We should sing it. I just told her that. He not a little lamb no more. Come on. Him on that horse is what? Faithful and true. Come on, somebody. Eyes like fire, hair like wool, a name written on him that only he knows, and his robe is dipped in blood. Come on, somebody. My goodness, this thing's just about over. The greatest door that the church has ever known is upon us. Not coming. It's here. It's happening now. We just got to get in it. We got to get busy. All scripture is God breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting. He sent his word and he healed you. Hebrews 4, 12 said, for the word of God is alive and active. Alive and active. That don't mean it's dead and inactive. He said the word of God is alive. I'm going to tell you something. You put the word of God on something. It don't mean something's going to happen. It means something is happening. Something is changing. Something is moving. You might not see that mountain moving as you speak to that mountain. But I can assure you on the backside of that mountain, there's a bulldozer, honey. And every time you put the word of God on it, he's hauling dirt out fast as he can get on the back. And sooner or later, that whole thing fit in combo crumble. Because the word of God is alive. It's powerful. When I pray, I'm not believing something's going to happen. I believe something is happening. Man, I'm not, I'm not, man, I'm not going to adapt to the atmosphere. Come on, somebody. I'm gonna be I'm not gonna be a thermometer, we're gonna be a thermostat. We're gonna walk up here and set that dial to the word of God, and we're gonna change the temperature over my situation because of the word of God is alive and active. You know what the next verse says over that? It says, Nothing in all creation is hidden. God said the word is alive, it's powerful. Nothing is hidden. Honey, when you put the word out there, it's like a radar. It just searches out whatever needs fixed and whatever. It, it ain't nothing can hide from the word of God. We need the word. Jeremiah said the word is like a hammer that breaks the rocks to pieces. He said, as the Isaiah said, as the rain and the snow fall from heaven, and it, and it does not return back to heaven without first watering the earth, making it flourish. So is my word. We need the word this morning amen i'll tell you something else we need to do another essential is is we need jesus we need to preach jesus see jesus used to be enough you used to hear a lot more sermons about jesus but see you don't hear a lot more no more but see jesus jesus used to be enough no matter what we taught about him when we just lift jesus said if you just lift me up i'll draw all men to me you just preach jesus See, the Bible says in Hebrews that he is is the radiance of God's glory, the exact representation of the Father. I want to tell you something. Apostle Paul had the equivalent of two PhDs in today's society, two of them. You know what Paul said? Paul said, I have resolved to know nothing except Jesus Christ and him crucified. Paul said, that's good enough for me. Paul knew a whole lot of things. been to heaven. Come on, somebody. That didn't mean it. That's all Paul preached. Paul taught on the wisdom. There's a wisdom from above. He taught on the deep things of God, the character of God. But you know what Paul said? Paul said, it's the main thing I preach. And everything I preach has Jesus Christ and his barrel, death, and resurrection in the middle of it. Everything else stems from that. We got to get back to the book of God. We got to get back to preaching Jesus. Jesus is the one that said, In my name, you shall cast out devils. In my name, you shall heal the sick. In my name, you shall cleanse the leper. In my name, you shall raise the dead. We got to get back to Jesus' name. Amen. Good preaching. Thank you. Glory to God. Another essential, I know what time it is. I'm going to get you a Father's Day meal. Hold on a minute. Amen. But get this, another essential of an effective church, we got to preach on the blood. Honey, it don't ever get no deeper than the blood of Jesus Christ. That blood is where the power that makes all of hell tremble is when you talk about the blood of Jesus. When you talk about the blood. See, salvation is not by work, salvation is not religious deeds none of mine in your works can save us, only the blood of Jesus. By his stripes, we are healed. Come on, somebody, 39 stripes, say 39 root causes, science tells us, of all sicknesses and diseases. 39 of them. I believe one of them for everything. Well, I don't, we still praying today, if it be the Lord, we'll heal him. I'm going to tell you something, everybody's got an appointed time to go, you're not going to get out of that. He might give you a few more years, but you pretty well going to keep that date. That's an appointment that we all going to keep. But I'm going to tell you something. I don't know if it's the Lord's will. I'm going to tell you something. That's ignorant. That, that prayer is, is inspired by hell. Mine and your part is to believe for healing. Because in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, of the 30-something miracles that Jesus did, the leper come to him and said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Guess what Jesus said? I'm willing, be clean. Don't you think out of thirty something miracles, that one time out of all them four books, if it hadn't been his will, don't you would have said think he would have said just one time, no, it's not my will. He never one time said, no, it's not my will, which means it is his will. Long as say sickness, we need to be praying for healing, standing in the gap, uh, just praying and agreeing with the Lord, the healing power. Our God's still a healer. I was preaching the other day, let me say about 10 months ago. And at the end of my service, I, I felt like I was supposed to share what the Lord did for me and Laura with a baby. And I just shared it and sometimes get tired of telling it because I think people get tired of hearing it. And you know what? A little boy at the end of service. This little boy who's adopted, him and his brothers adopted by this mama. And this mom and husband, her womb's never been opened. She never had a baby, ever. Can't have no baby, so she adopted two children. This little boy, at the end of my sermon, run down there. She walks up there to get her son, and he looked at me. He said, I want a baby brother. What he said. I really think Mama come to get him. I said, and I just built a wall like we did here that night with the chairs. And I told about the goodness of God, and we had a memorial service, giving honor to God. I prayed for that woman. Didn't feel nothing. Just okay. You want a baby? You want a God? You hear that little boy? He he wants a brother. You know what? A lady got pregnant. That lady just had her baby. It's been about a month. She, she done closer to God on fire for God. Look at what the Lord has did. I, I shared another time and shared the same story. Had a couple from, from Baptist Church. They go there in the daytime and politics and family. But on Sunday night, they've been slipping in the Church of God in Tifton. Come on. Why? Because God's moving. They don't want nobody to know it, but they slipping in. And I, I told my story the first time they was there. This grown man, he's about 6'4", and his wife, they come up there. i never seen them. Lip trembling, crying. They both squalling. I walked up. I said, what you want? You know what said? We want a baby. Guess what? About, about three, four weeks later, I ain't even thought about them. Never seen them. Don't know them. Pastor Todd had them. They come walking in. Got up there. Pregnant. Pregnant. I'm going to tell you something. They almost do now, that child. You know what I did? All I did was share what Jesus did for Junior. That's what you do. You know how you share your testimony? The best thing you can give them out there in the street. Best thing you do is tell what he did for you. Ain't nothing more powerful than how he changed your life, Dusty. Ain't, Clay. No, ain't no different how he changed you, how he set you on fire. Dennis, how he changed you, man. Come on, ain't no greater story than you telling it. And the Bible says it's for the spirit of prophecy. When you tell him what he did for you, you know what? You're prophesying he'll do the same for you, my friend. And, you know, I've been sharing that. A lot of times I'll share it. And you know what people say? Uh, You think he'd do that for me? Well, I don't know why he wouldn't. He didn't gave us everything he had. Let's just pray for it. He ain't holding nothing back from you, honey. God, you just got to share your story. You gotta build a bridge. You gotta throw a net. Come on, somebody. Man, we gotta talk about the blood. It's a blood let me say, I had that bloody cross up here and I had people in this church got mad at me. Oh, bloody cross. We don't want that bloody cross. Just put the cross up there. I'm tell you something, that pretty cross wasn't what that wasn't real. The cross was bloody. It's necessary. If it wasn't necessary for him to die like he did, he could have drunk Kool-Aid. But he couldn't do it that way. Blood is the only sacrifice and atonement for sin. Bible says in Leviticus 17 that the life is in the blood of the creature. Life is in the blood. In your body right now, blood flowing through your body. You know what it's doing? It's giving you life. And on its way back to being filled out of your body is carrying waste and disease to be emptied out of your body. Just like the blood of Jesus who comes to cleanse you, to wipe you clean, and to give you life. The blood of Jesus gives you life. We've got to always be about the blood. Nothing but the blood. You don't get no deeper than that. This blood saves. This blood heals. This blood protects. They put it on the doorposts, three sides of the wood. Come on. Death angel come over. He said, when I see the blood, I got to pass right over you. Them three pieces of wood on them two frames on the top represented three crosses at Calvary. You see the blood. See, blood spilled and blood applied. It's you, 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 blood spilled don't do you no good. You got to apply that blood to your life, to your heart. You got to apply it this morning. Blood. It's all about the blood. It was bloody when they, when Jesus sacrificed the lamb. It was bloody when Cain killed Abel. And you go all through the Bible, it's mentioned 447 times, the blood. 101 of them's in the New Testament. And in Revelation, you got blood up to the bridle of a horse. It's a bloody message. It's a bloody gospel. Whole denominations now have taken the word blood out of their hymnal. And they don't want you to mention it while you're preaching either. Honey, we in a mess. You can't get away from the blood of Jesus. You might as well fold up and go home. I've had the privilege and the honor of helping set someone free through the name of Jesus. How devils manifest. That office up there. Nasty. Talked. Just like you talking. You know what it kept saying the whole time? It would rise up. I know who you are. Audible. It kept trying to pick a fight with me because it knew I couldn't stand in my strength and fight yet. And that thing would swell up. I scared to death. And I'd say, in the name of Jesus. And every time I'd say the word Jesus, that thing, you'd see it just, just you might as well knock it, staggered it. Every time you mention the blood, that devil fell down. He tried to hide. Put the hand on the stomach and say, I command you to come out in the name of Jesus. And you'd see that stomach poach out. That spirit come up and that mouth try to contain it. Fight it. Twisted throw it all over my office. Peed all over that floor. It was nasty for three hours. About 15 demons junior had no power but when i used jesus every one of them one by one came out and you'd see that body just like a disray i gonna tell you something i told you that to tell you this all the power is in jesus christ and by the blood of the lamb we think it's all history Honey, it don't ever get no deeper than the blood. The blood's the center of everything that we do. I know the Holy Spirit's the sign of a testament of a new church. But in the Old Testament, they put the blood on the right ear, on the thumb, on the right big toe. Wherever they all went, wherever the blood was is where the anointing went. The Holy Spirit falls where the blood's been. You talk about the blood, the Holy Spirit falls on it. That's why the Holy Spirit couldn't come in Acts 2 until Jesus took the blood and left earth and went in that heavenly tabernacle and once and for all set his blood. Not the blood of lambs and goats, come on somebody, but with his own precious blood. Lambs and goats could just cover you. But the blood of Jesus says, I'll clean you inwardly. I'll wipe it from your conscience. I'll, I'll hide your sins as far as the east is from the west. It's the blood. We need the blood. We need the blood this morning. Amen. What is that? What can wash away my sins? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes me. What is no, no other fountain I know. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. We don't need another book. We don't need another testimony. Come on, somebody! This blood conquers. You're made overcomers by your testimony and by what? By the blood of the Lamb. You don't get no deeper than that. We need prayer. My prayer, prayer. He says. My house will be called a house of prayer. We've got to have his presence. I want to mention this. I'm almost done. His presence is the most important thing that we can go after today. What well, Matt and this team did. See, we've got to be a church that's led forth by the presence and not driven by programs. Most churches out here are driven by program. And they think if I can just get the right program in place. They did it in Toronto. I'll do it here. They did it up there. I'll bring it here. You can't do that if the Lord ain't in it, honey. See, a program ain't going to change nobody's life. But the oil of His presence, it's going to take the oil of His presence to change it. We've got to have His presence. Moses said if His presence don't go, I don't want to go. I'll die in the wilderness. But I'll have you rather than gain it all. i got to have your presence. I don't understand how Aaron can cut a, a tree, a branch from a tree. When you cut a branch from a tree, things die at the root. He should have become dead. But he cut that branch and he walked back there and threw it in the ark of God. And overnight, just overnight. Woke up the next morning and that thing was, had almonds, had a blossoms. Though no root, it had fruit. Come on, somebody. Because anything that you put in the presence of God, anything dead comes to life. Anything dead gets awakened. We don't need no more programs, honey. We need the presence of God. And once you get the presence, you got to have programs. I'm for programs but they will help with the presence of God when the harvest comes in. Last one I want to leave with you. Church is a two-sided coin. One side is missions, and one side is maintenance. Maintenance is how we take care of the saints once they get saved. Maintenance is how is youth ministry. Maintenance is leadership development. Maintenance is the young people's ministry. Maintenance is, you know, the tea the little ladies has, tea parties, and a men breakfast. That's maintenance. But see, most of the church has become maintenance-minded instead of mission-minded. See, mission says this. missions is about rescuing the lost. But we've made it more about let's take care of our flock. And we stay maintenance minded so long we forget the main mission of the church. The mission of the church is to add souls go fishing. See, there's somebody right now, I guarantee you never church. You 50 years old, you're like, I don't believe I I don't believe I'm getting fed this morning. Lean in, I got something for you. Feed yourself, you're 50. See, when I was a baby, I fed my baby. But when John David got of age, he knew how to find the cabinet, the cereal, the bowl, the milk, the spoon, and feed itself. You need to feed yourself. I just made somebody mad. But I can't spend all my time giving maintenance to the body. We got to be about the mission. (laughs) John straightened all this up and he gets back. Amen? I just want to tell you I love you this morning. I appreciate you. I don't know of a healthier time than this church is right now. We had a lot of good times here. And hear my heart. I honor... Both men of God that came through here. I can't tote their shoes. I honor them. Ain't nobody done nothing right. Including the one holding the mic. But we've had a whole lot more good. Than we have bad. And I always give honor. You know why? Because whatever you honor. Releases life to you. And whatever you dishonor. Moves away from you. I choose to honor. I choose to stand on their shoulders. But we in worship this morning. I don't think it's ever been healthier than it is right now. It's like Steve. It's like we was in the blue building over. There. And we used to come so hungry. It wasn't about us. It was all about him. And what he was going to do that day. Man, we'd come at 3 o'clock sometime and we wouldn't get out to 9 and 10 o'clock. Hungry for God. Because he was touching and healing and helping people. And I couldn't wait to get back. And everybody was talking about what he was doing. Man, the fire of the Lord is here. The presence of the Lord is here. Hope I don't offend nobody, but Cleve, it's so good to see you up front. Although Doverna had his hands in the air. Man, he's on fire for God. Ken was in Alma the other night. And most of his church went to Alma, Georgia. John called me that day. He said, Will you come? I feel like you're supposed to come. And I canceled everything. He said, I'm coming, man. And I look over on the third row and I see Ken up there with wife and family with hands raised. I drove to Alma, Georgia on a hot bus with nowhere. Come on, somebody. Are you kidding me? I rode home thinking, My God, the Lord's up to something down there. I love Pastor John. And Cat, I call her Cat. Everything within me. Man, he's a preaching machine. Y'all know that. I love that man of God. I think that he's got godly leaders that will support him and, and always encourage him. God's doing a mighty, mighty thing down here. Don't take it for granted. Throw the net. Be the bridge, man. Build a bridge for him to get in here. Stand on your feet. I love each and every one of you. Number six. Y'all raise your hands. I'm going to bless you. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you. Give you peace. Lay your hand on somebody. Lay your hand on them. Declare it. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. God bless you. I love you. Amen.